you can say two things. You can say that I bought right, which is the best way to make money with real estate. And you can say that the improvements that I made were improvements that are recognized by the market. Are you looking to create more money, more options, and more fun? Hi, I'm Chris McCarron, and each week my guests and I will share our experiences with real estate investing and do our best to help empower you to start creating wealth yourself. Welcome to Women Creating Wealth. If you're ready to get started, visit womencreatingwealth.net. For now, let's jump into today's episode. Hello, women who are creating wealth. My personal opinion is that it's a good time to buy commercial real estate. At least it's a better time to buy commercial real estate than it is to buy residential real estate, at least in my part of the country, which is the northeast part of the United States. So today I want to talk to you about buying commercial real estate. What you can do with commercial real estate to add value to it. Let's talk about that. Because first of all, even if you just want to buy it and hold it, it still makes great sense to have it make more money for you to be worth more money in case you want to take out a loan against it and take in case you want to attract tenants. Everything you do to make the property better in the long run is going to benefit you as long as you do it well and yeah, make it better, not just throw money into it, right? That there's a caveat there. One of the first things you can do is look at your curb appeal. So when somebody drives by the property, is there anything about it that's going to be troublesome to them? So the property that I built, I'm going to keep going back and forth with um, referring it to the property that I recently purchased back in May of 2023. Things that I've done to add to the value and things that you know are all obviously things that you could do as well. So the first thing that you would notice when you would drive by the property is that you didn't really see it very well. <laughs> There was the sign was very, very small. The parking lot was beat up and the roof was very old and streaky. You know how they get to look. That was challenging because this building that I purchased, I didn't purchase the whole building. I purchased it as a condo. So I had to work with the whole association to get work done to the exterior of the building. So here are some things that I have done and am planning to do to this property. We've already replaced the mailbox. Okay, so the mailbox was like this. It was leaning to one side. It was when you would open it up, first of all, it would stick. So you're trying to rip the thing open and then there were cobwebs inside it. The thing was disgusting, rusty, and it had obviously been hit at some point by a plow truck or something or some other large vehicle which sent it off and made it askew. Now we have a really cute little green one with a little pagoda sort of a cover and really, really snappy and a brand new roof on the building, which makes it look just, I mean, you don't notice and say, wow, great roof, right? But you're, it's the opposite, you know, and it's invisible, which is perfect because now you're not looking at it and saying, oh boy, I bet that leaks, which it definitely did. Another thing we did was to add lighting to the outside. There were some really sort of sad little lights on the exterior, which sort of were yellowing, you know, and they just cast a very Halloween-y kind of glow and that's not attractive as well. People leaving the, the building in the evening, they're going to be looking at a very dark, you know, creepy parking lot. So those three things were addressed prior to the snowfall here in the Northeast. Next year, so actually this year in the spring, we're going to also repave the parking lot because it's cracked. It's got a lot of gullies. When it rains, the water collects into big puddles. So we're going to dig up the parking lot 
repave the whole parking lot and put lines because right now there are no lines. So people just park all over the place and that greatly reduces the amount of parking we can get. If each person is essentially taking up at least one and a half spaces, that's reducing how many cars can park here. Adding parking is a fantastic way to add value to a property. And so even though we're not technically adding any size to the parking lot, we're going to effectively add parking because people are now going to start parking in the lines and that's going to give us more spaces for more cars. Another thing, because this building has, it's made, it's got brown or sort of a, like a dark tan vinyl siding, which makes it just seem a little dated. The bottom is sort of like a kind of fake stone thing that's real, also not very attractive. So we trimmed the bushes, which were going wild all over the place, trimmed up the bushes. We're going to plant some flowers. But I'm also, for my unit personally, I'm adding flower boxes. So on the exterior of each big, ugly, old window, we're going to have beautiful, long flower boxes that are going to be overflowing with beautiful vines and flowers and color. And that's going to like really make the building snap and something like that and this is even you can do with residential property adding landscaping and flowers to any property makes it more eye-catching more interesting to people it adds color and vibrancy and you would be shocked you know of all the things you can do to increase the value of a property adding plants and greenery increases the curb appeal dollar for dollar you're going to get probably a 10x return on your investment. So if you spend $1,000 on flowers, it's going to add at least $10,000 to the value of your property. I mean, okay, that's a huge generalization. Don't take that to the bank. But it's it's much more. And in a lot of cases, you can spend $8,000 and add $5,000 to the value of the property. But flowers and, and greenery, I've never seen a situation where they didn't at least pay for themselves, if not add a multiple of value. Definitely worth the investment. So now as you come into the building, so I hired a new cleaning company, which is better cleaning company. They did things like when you used to walk down the stairs. <laughs> so I'm on the second floor and you look straight ahead and there's a window there. And if you look at that window, it was covered with cobwebs. It was just disgusting. You just like, you look out and you're just like, ooh. So what's the feeling you get when you walk out and you see this window covered with cobwebs? Well, one thing I thought of is nobody gives a crap about this building. Nobody cares how it looks. Nobody can be bothered to get rid of that cobweb or that huge family of cobwebs that are hanging off the window. And it doesn't even, that doesn't even have to be a unconscious thought. But subconsciously, somewhere in the back of your mind, you're never, you're not likely going to be impressed with the amount of cobwebs, although they were impressive, with the amount of cobwebs that are sticking to a window. I mean, it was high. It wasn't easy to clean, but it was 100% worth the effort. <clears throat> so all I did, I bought this huge extender thing, which is meant to clean second-story windows. And we're going through and cleaning all the exterior windows. And it's something, again, you can do that is just so worth the effort. So worth the effort. Now entering into the building, so a clean, a good clean space. I'm sure you've walked into commercial buildings and there's like a bunch of leaves that blew in from outside, which sometimes is unavoidable, but 
if, is it, you know, are they the same leaves from yesterday, basically? And are there newspapers? And is there mail? You know, like a lot of times the mail room is in the lobby, in the entryway, in the like the vestibule, and people leave their recycling stuff, things that they just don't want, mail they don't want. It just gets left and then it starts to get dirty and icky and blowing around and gets all matted. Someone has to take care of that stuff. So you want a really good cleaning company. And then as you enter the building, what does the flooring look like? Is it, you know, dirty? Is it dated? Is it starting to fray? Those sorts of things. I mean, putting like a new carpeting, piece of carpeting in, it makes a huge first impression and it can make, it have big payback if you just make those sort of repairs. Same thing with the walls. I mean, are there dings? Are there dents? Are people been moving furniture up and down and now there's like, sometimes you see like a line on the wall where people dragged something up the stairs. This is especially true if you have a mix of residential and commercial. You'll see like, you know, somebody's basically couch <laughs> has left a dirty line or a discolored line all the way up the hallway and stuff. Those sorts of things, you know, a little bit of paint just makes such a gigantic difference. So cleanliness, fresh paint, clean and updated carpeting or whatever the flooring is make a huge difference. And those will add to the value of the property. I'm going to tell you in a minute what happened to the value of my property. So now entering into either the building, if you own the whole building or your specific unit, what can you do to make that more desirable? One thing you can often do is if you have a large space, or even actually if it isn't that large, is perhaps you could subdivide it. Perhaps you could take that space, which now is set up for one tenant, and turn it into a situation where you could have multiple tenants. And then you could hopefully have multiple tenants who are on different cycles, who are different kinds of businesses, so that if there is some type of a recession or whatnot, you can weather that storm better because you've got a mix of tenants. And what I did with my space is I bought a fairly large space. It's 6,000 square foot space. And I, I subdivided it by making it a co-working space. So even though it's one business, it's, it has multiple people who are basically helping to pay the rent. So that's another thing to talk about. So you own the building. You don't have to be the business that's in the building. But once you take this building and you get good tenants in there, that's going to add to the value of the building. So I took a building that was basically empty. The people who owned it were the ones working in the space. And I created a new business, a new separate legal entity that now rents from the entity that owns the building. So none of these are me. These are two separate legal entities, one that owns the building and one that rents from the one that owns the building. So if I wanted to sell the building... I have a tenant in the building who's paying rent, who has a five-year lease. So that adds to the value of the property because someone who buys it knows that for the next five years, this company is going to be inhabiting this space. That's a fantastic thing to do. Long-term leases with good tenants who have good credit histories, good Dun & Bradstreet scores, things like that. One of the ways of valuing a piece of real estate is by its projected income. So if you have a good tenant in there, that gives a projected income as opposed to selling a building that's basically empty and that someone would have to either the buyer would occupy the space or they would have to find their own tenant. So that's real good. If you can, when you buy a new building, try to buy one that is in an area where 
mixed use is allowed. A mixed use generally refers to a combination of residential and commercial use. Take, for example, a five-story building where the bottom floor is all retail. Maybe you've got a restaurant and a laundromat, and then the second floor is all offices. Maybe you've got an attorney's office and you've got, you could even have a hair salon or whatever. So you have different people on the second floor, but it's still all office space. And then perhaps your remaining three floors could be residential. That's a fantastic mix. So, but you could buy a building that's, for, that's some number of stories, and that doesn't necessarily have to be what it's used for right now. Remember to think outside the box. So you buy a space that maybe it's empty, maybe it's been used as a restaurant, maybe it's been used all occupied by one giant entity. For example, industrial space. Let's say you buy a sort of a factory type building that had a use of manufacturing in the past. And you say, hmm, now this area is no longer really that industrial. So I'm going to take this industrial property. I'm going to put retail on the first floor. I'm going to put offices on the second floor. And I'm going to create building the rest of the building to be something else. Maybe it's an incubator for artists. Maybe it's an industrial. That he, one thing that is gaining value is a manufacturing incubator, if that makes sense. So maybe you buy some big, giant 3D printers and you allow people to come in and run their businesses out of that space. Those kinds of things. This is something that's worth thinking about is because certain things that you could do to your building will allow you to get grant money. It will allow you to be given different types of loans or grants or supplements or some type of gifting from the government, from other entities who are trying to encourage growth. And that doesn't just happen with the type of building or the type of business. It can also happen just in the particular area. There are neighborhoods and parts of cities and towns that are trying to encourage people to bring their businesses to that area, and they are offering special types of incentives. So don't discount the idea of getting an incentive from some other entity to go ahead, like, okay, I've got this co-working space. I bought this building and put new flooring, painted everything, washed all the windows, and put in a new kitchen, updated the bathroom, so, you know, and then brought all kinds of tech. But that was really because of the type of business I wanted to put here, right? I wouldn't have had to spend money on upgrading the uh, Ethernet and, and bringing hotspots and all that kind of stuff. But I would need to have freshened it up. I would have needed to clean up all the common areas and put nice undated, right? So I had icky old carpeting, icky old walls, everything all dinged up and, and damaged and stuff and, and brightened all of that up, added a lot of higher end features and I more than doubled the value of the property. That's a lot. And that I just bought that in May. It's March. I mean, it's actually February right now. It'd probably be March when you hear this, but it's February right now. So that's not much time to have doubled the value of the building. You can't say that that had anything to do with the market. You can say two things. You can say that I bought right, which is the best way to make money with real estate. And you can say that the improvements that I made were improvements that are recognized by the market. Some of them are not were not made to my unit, right? The the roof, the mailbox, those sorts of things, they're not they have nothing to do with my unit. They have to do with the curb appeal. Getting rid of the cobwebs on the exterior windows, same thing. They just give you it just takes away the feeling that you're in this 
a, you know, ignored, ugly building. Are there still issues here? Sure, absolutely. We still need the parking lot. We still, I mean, so that's the thing. Imagine what's going to happen to the value of this building when we have a nice parking lot, when we have a parking lot that has increased parking. I mean, those sorts of things are what, that, that's, those are things that are also adding to the value. And then to that, you can add the fact that I also created a business that's going to live in this space. So it's now rented and it now has a lease. And lo and behold, the business that I started, co-working space, happens to be one for which there are federal grants available. There are Massachusetts grants available for co-working space. I'm a woman. There are grants for women-owned businesses. If you're a person of color, if you're any type of minority, there are, there, if you're a veteran, if you are, I can't even think of all the ones that are available. There are all kinds of groups who are giving money to all kinds of other groups so that they'll do all kinds of specific businesses in all kinds of specific areas. And all those sorts of things are available for grants. Massachusetts just created this one-stop for grant processing. So you, you submit one thing. You're, first, you start off. You can start off with your expression of interest. So I filled out an expression of interest, and now the government is going to look at my application. They're going to look at who I am, what my business is, and they're going to tell me all the different grants that I might possibly be available, that might possibly be available to me from the from the state of Massachusetts, and then I can go beyond that and do something with the federal government. And then beyond that, there are entities that are not part of this one-stop program that they're also going to tell me about. Here's a great thing you could do. Find out where in an area near you there are economic incentives, there are grants to improve the economy in that specific area. Economic development grants for a specific town or part of town or part of your state. There are definitely going to be some places that are economic uh, opportunity economic development grants. There are also, and we can actually have a whole session about this, we can talk about opportunity zones, which are ways for you to do basically a 1031 exchange into a specific zone, and it allows you to re- recoup some of the money that you deferred in taxes. So yeah, let's talk about opportunity zones in a future meeting, because opportunity zones are another whole opportunity <laughs> for you to save money and pay less taxes. That's another thing. Look for an opportunity zone in your area. Almost every single state, actually maybe every single state has opportunity zones. Google it. You can easily find out what they are. Uh, it's on the HUD website, I believe, HUD.gov or whatever, Housing and Urban Development.gov. I don't know. Just Google it. You're going to look for a, or an area with economic development grants in an opportunity zone. And if you don't have, if you're not already a person who is like a minority status or woman owned or whatever, then maybe you can partner with somebody who is because normally there are just rules about that. There has to be a certain percentage of the company has to be owned by that particular entity, group, whatever the case may be. So there's all that stuff. And then if you also, you buy the space and then you start a business inside that space, which is also has some type of grant available to it. I mean, Think about it. Think how you could leverage your small investment into something like this and also consider partnering with somebody. So if you're just getting started and you're like, Chris, I don't have all this money. What are you talking about? I can't go buy a building and do all this kind of stuff. 
you know, maybe you can, maybe you can start with a condo. Maybe you can start by rethinking what could possibly be a business that lives in that condo. And that I'm talking about a commercial condo. Commercial condos exist. It's a thing. And in many cases, they're large enough that you could do more than one type of business there. Effectively doubling your opportunities and cutting in half your risk. I hope that you're going to try this. I hope this has been helpful to you. Please leave any comments that you have in the chat. And from my experience, so I bought a residential and a commercial condo at the same time. I bought them for the same price. And the commercial condo has doubled in value. And the residential condo, I don't think it's changed $1. I mean, I'm actually going to put it on the market later in the month, so later in March. So I'll let you know whether I sell it for some crazy amount of money, but I can guarantee you it has not doubled in value since May. Just my experience and just experience in this particular town and part of town and part of the country. So very specific, but that doesn't mean that you couldn't have the same type of success. Speak to your local real estate agent. Speak to me. Let's chat. That's it. I think I talked to you last week about the great, fun, amazing weekend retreat that we have coming up in October with Johnny Lloyd, who is a fabulous, financially tuned person who has agreed to partner with me to put this fantastic weekend on. More details on that later. But for now, check out womencreatingwealth.net, pop over to my website, bostonreguru.com, or just shoot me an email. Have a wonderful week and come back next week and see what we have in store for you. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of Women Creating Wealth. For more info, be sure to check out womencreatingwealth.net. If you're enjoying the podcast, please follow us on your favorite podcast platform and consider sharing the wealth with someone else who might enjoy it. See you next week.